morning, everyone. Glad to have everyone here. Uh, there's a lot of times I do lessons, and uh, you know, I'm very confident. I've studied it. I've, I've went over and had a lifetime of, of studying things, and I feel very confident. But unfortunately, this is probably one of those lessons that I'm not as confident in, and partially because of the subject matter. And part of it is because the church, and whenever I say the church, I'm going to explicitly say the church of Christ, uh, did not preach a lot of this on whenever I was a child. And I didn't study a lot. And the lesson I'm teaching today is, is uh, or some of it is from Edwin Crozier, not all of it. But what happened in history, and I just kind of bring you, and I'm going to summarize this a little bit, and why this is important is because many years ago uh, in religious history, and this has nothing to do with the Bible, but the Catholic Church basically was selling forgiveness of sins. You could come and you could pay, and you could get forgiveness of sins. Alexander Campbell came along and, and uh, nailed his thesis up against the church, the, the Catholic church, and said, no, you don't have to buy forgiveness of sins. It's by the grace of God. And this grace is free-flowing and once saved, always saved. And so there was a lot of things that came out of Alexander Campbell, Campbell's teachings and so basically, the Catholic Church was over here. The pendulum swung over here with Alexander Campbell. And so a lot of people that taught me the Bible was trying to keep from Alexander Campbell's teaching going too far. And, it, you know, Alexander Campbell talks about once saved, always saved. And so I, I kind of bring that out to point out this. So why am I teaching this lesson? Because I had a conversation with somebody. And sometimes as Christians, we sin. We fall short of the glory of God. We do. And we've been taught that we need to, you got to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to do this to be worthy. But God sent His Son to save us while we were in our sins. Now, whenever we love God and we want to serve God, we're going to do this, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do this. But the realization that we all got to have is that while we're doing this, we come to church on Sunday morning. We come to Bible class. i got to throw Bubba's in here. I teach people on the weekday and I invite them to church. Those are all the things I'm supposed to do. But during the week, Clay fails. I falter. I stumble. I'm not the perfect Christian. And then sometimes we all say, I'm not worthy. I can't, I can't do this, and then we give up. But what we have to do is we have to look back and say, 
You know, I, I, did, I did this because I love God. I did this because I love God. And I didn't treat Sandra right. I didn't live perfectly. And I've got, my mind has got to go as, you know, i got to work on that. I can't, you know, we're going to talk about it. I'm going to work on that. But i got to depend on God's grace to get me through that. Because the day that God saved us, He took our sins away, He realized we wasn't going to be perfect. Now, Sandra will tell you, and I, I always go by, I mean, if y'all go talk to Sandra, Sandra will tell you, Clay is not perfect. But Clay's better than what he was 30 years ago. But he's still not there. I'm not the perfect man. I still have to rely on God's grace. And I need to realize that God's grace is there because if I start looking into self and saying, I got to do, come to church, I got to do this for God, I got to do this for God, and I never can falter, then the devil's going to work on me and he's going to say, you know, I'm going to finally say, you know, I'm not worthy. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to be successful. So I'm just going to go out and do what Clay wants to do. So we, we in the church, sometimes we stayed away from this grace thing. My fear this morning is I get some of this wrong. So uh, we're probably going to talk about grace over the next few months from my perspective. And we're going to try to understand a little bit more of this. But what I want to point out, turn to Galatians, the first chapter. Paul says here in Galatians, in, first, in the first chapter, verse 3, he says, Grace to you, grace God, grace, grace to us, and peace from God. God's grace should give me peace. And I've got to learn that. So what does that mean to me? He repeats it in Colossians to the saints and the faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God. We read in James this morning. Did anybody notice that in James, I think the sixth verse, grace to you? James talks about that grace. And this grace that God's given us is the thing that should make us happy. That we have a home in heaven. Turn to John 10 and 10. John 10, verse 10. And it says there, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. This is Christ's teaching. Christ is talking here. He says, I came that I may have life and have it abundantly. I, excuse me, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Christ tells us he came so that he would give us life. That's eternal life. That's what we should be looking for. Turn to 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and through 8. 
Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit. Be on alert for your adversity, adversary. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. God came to give us life. He tells us to humble ourselves before God. Because if we humble ourselves, God's going to give us. He's going to exalt us at the proper time. Now verse 7, this is why I think grace is important. I need to cast my anxieties onto Christ. We all have anxieties. We all, as we live our life, we all get to where we realize, I can't get this right every day. And God didn't want us to come through life worrying every moment that we didn't get it right, that did I lose my salvation? That's the grace He gives us. Now that doesn't mean, as Romans tells us, and I, I didn't, I'm not going to turn over there, that doesn't mean I get to go sin so grace may abound. He, didn't t he told us not to do that. But we need to cast our anxieties. We need to give God these anxieties. We need to focus on serving Him. Humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. That's what we need to focus on. Not that I failed. Do you see there's a difference there in how I look at that problem? If I focus on me and my failures, I get down. And that's exactly what the devil wants us to do. But God says, cast your anxieties on me because I care. Because at the proper time, I'm going to exalt you because I have I've brought this grace to you. Now, what you've seen and what you've heard a lot of lessons about is Alexander Campbell came over here and says, it's all free. It's all there. And then you had another teaching over here that you had to pay for. Well, Christ paid for it. The answer's in the middle of these two doctrines. Because... I need to be humbling myself. And whenever I humble myself, I'm saying, God, I need you. I need to follow your will. But in that, I'm going to back up and realize I didn't get it right every day. And that's where God's grace is going to take care of me. Now, the key thing is, is you can fool me. God knows your heart. God knows your heart. And He's only going to supply His grace 
to people that have truly humbled themselves to him. Do you see that? And that's how you get away from this teaching over here. I know people. I know people that have failed greatly. I cannot tell you their heart because I'm not God. But I, I can assure you that there's people in my life, there's a man that has done great wrong in his family. And every time he sees my wife, he hugs her. The reason why is because she was one of the people that went and said, God loves you. I think his heart's right. I think his heart is right. I think he's humbled himself before God. But he, he I think he has thrown his anxieties, his failures to God. He's depending on God's grace. And that's what we need to do. Because whenever we can do that, we can be successful. Verse 8. This is going to come up later. Verse 8. It says, Be of sober spirit. Be of sober spirit. Notice he's telling us to be of sober spirit. Why? We've got to dissect a bunch of problems. He says, be of sober spirit, be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We're going to bring this out because we're going to go to Paul in a minute and understand what he, he said. So keep that in mind. Go to 1 Peter 1.13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. And notice he says action. Because Alexander Campbell tells us we can't do anything for our, our salvation, but he tells us to prepare ourselves for action. So we have to do something because he told us to prepare. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in the spirit. Fix your hope completely Fix your hope 98%. He said completely. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Christ wants us to be saved. Christ and our God and Father Send his son. He wants us to be saved. I work in a world where I get shot at every day. Figuratively, okay? I hope it's figuratively. People look for me to stumble and fall. This grace that I read about in the New Testament, my Lord and Savior is not sitting there waiting for me to make a mistake to shoot me. <clears throat> ha! I got you. You're not going to heaven. That's not what grace is. Grace is 
I see you working hard. I see you trying to get it. I see your heart. Look at David. David was commented about a man after God's own heart. He killed a man so he could commit adultery with another woman. He killed a man so he could hide his adultery with another woman. And God says, that's a man after my own heart. In James. Do you think God was sitting there waiting for David to make the mistake? He says, I got you. Now that now now we got to go back and look at David. I don't want to sit here and say, "Oh, go out there and sin." You can go out there and do what you want to. You better pay attention to what David did after the fact and how David humbled himself. He got on his knees and he begged. And it goes back to that humility. But the thing is, David knew his God wanted him. And we have it even better than David. So be a sober spirit. That's important. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Verse Peter 5 and 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Notice every one of these verses. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Notice what David did. He humbled himself. We have to humble ourselves. So you don't get to go over here like the religious world likes to say. Once saved, always saved. I want to live that. Clay wants to live that religion because Clay gets to go do what he wants to. If I believed that, I would not be here today. I'd be on that 32-foot contender twin 300s and I'd be offshore shooting fish. But you know what? That's whenever I put clay above God. I haven't humbled myself before God. I have human desires. I have lots of things I'd rather go do. But I've got to humble myself before the mighty hand of God because he will exalt me if I do that. Romans 8.28 And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God. To those who are called according to His purpose. And we know that God causes all things to work together. <coughs> now, notice we need to depend on God's grace completely and notice there's another word here, all. Sandra tells me I should never say all. I'm not saying it, God's saying it. You think about those words. Words like all, never. They're, they're all-encompassing. There's no room for anything. All things work together for good. Do we believe that whenever we make a mistake that God's grace can cover that and that could be eventually used for the good of Christ? Now Christ is not wanting us to go out there to sin so he can use us. But we make choices. But some of our sins 
can later on be used for good. That's what he's telling us here. All things work together for good. So let's go to Paul and let's talk about Paul a little bit. Turn to 2 Corinthians 12. And we'll start in verse 7. This is about Paul. And, and we're going to stay here a little bit. We're going to talk this to the end of the service. 2 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 7. This is Paul's thorn in the flesh. Paul had a problem. He's prayed to God three times that God takes this away from him. He's got a physical problem, whatever it is. And I think it's unique that he doesn't tell us what the problem is. Because I think if we know what the problem is, we say, oh, I got the same problem Paul's got, and I, you know, I, I can live with that. But every one of us has got a problem. Now, this is a physical problem. We can go to Peter, we can read where Peter had some spiritual issues that he had to deal with. But the point is, we all got problems. Paul's got a problem here. In verse 7, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep from exalting myself, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. He had an issue, and it tormented him. It had a problem. Verse 8, concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. Now, whatever this physical ailment was, Paul gives Satan the credit for this physical ailment. I don't know. I could think of things like, I've sinned and I have a consequence. And, and I don't know what it is. It doesn't matter, because what Paul tells me in verse 9 and he said to me, God said to Paul, My grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness most gladly. Therefore, I will rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Verse 10, Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults and distress, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. Paul has several things here that he's having problems with. And remember I told you to remember about the soberness? Be sober? To be thoughtful? I've heard in my lifetime, I've heard it in my family, why has God left me? Why has God let this happen to me? Could you imagine this passage if Paul had that attitude? We blame our problems on God. Our problems is because we were sinning. Paul asked God to take this from him. But Paul stood back and said... You know, 
God said he's not going to take this from me. So I need to look at this in God's point of view. And God's point of view is, Paul admits here in verse 7, to keep me from exalting myself. Remember all those passages we read earlier about humble ourselves before God? Have you ever had in your life where it's about me and I'm better than everybody else? I'm good? I think Paul is saying he realizes this thorn in the flesh is there to keep him from exalting himself. So guess what? Paul backed up. He asked God to take it away. God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. And God looked at it and says, well, you know, this probably keeps me from being exalting myself. Do you see how Paul had a sober way of looking at that? It was, a, it was a fleshly thing. The devil uses things to inhibit us. I do not know what tomorrow may bring. But I tell you, as I get older, I have issues. Now, y'all don't know them. Somebody saw me walking yesterday. I'll pull off my shoe. I'll show you one of my issues. So I've had to buy these daggum inserts for all my shoes because my feet hurt every day. I got, Sanders says I say it wrong, plantar fasciitis or whatever I'm supposed to say. Plantar fasciitis. I get out of bed every morning. I can't, sometimes I can't get to the bathroom and I have to sit there. I was 19 years old. I could run down a 100-yard field and knock the snot out of somebody at UCF. I had power. Every one of us have that. Now, how am I going to handle that? Am I going to blame God for taking that away? I hope, I hope and pray that whenever I'm 70 years old, I get to go die. That's, that's, you know, that's one of my passions. I hope I get to go snow skiing. But God might take that away. It might be, you know, and I, I was, it might be a physical ailment. How am I going to handle that? Am I going to blame that on God? I could have a heart attack tomorrow and be disabled. Am I going to give God the glory that God, I, I, I pray, you know, am I going to be sober about that? I prayed that you let me get to heaven and be saved. And maybe that's what he did so that I wouldn't exalt myself. He gave me a thorn in the flesh. That's how Paul looked at it. I can't explain all of this. But I know Paul's looking at God and he knows that God's grace is going to save him.
My grace, in verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. This is a hard lesson for me to understand. But I've seen men and women in weakness become powerful. What are we looking for? Are we looking for that perfect life here on earth? Are we looking for the grace of God? That home in heaven? That eternity? What are we focused on? And, and the whole point of these four verses here that I want to point out to you is God looked at Paul looked at it sober. <laughs> he didn't look at it from his point of view. Whenever God answered him, he says, I'm not taking that away from you. He figured out that God answered his prayers because God had another plan for him. I gave you Clay's plan. Those are all physical things. We all have desires that we want to do. But our sufferings, our weaknesses, and even our blessings, the devil uses to entrap us. And that's why I told you, pay attention to that soberness. Because whenever you get down and whenever you you can't understand where you are Peter told us to focus on God's grace completely and you can't focus on God's grace if you're not studying God's Bible His Word because you need to go try to understand it We're close. I'll skip a few things here. Go to 1 Peter 5.10. 1 Peter 5.10. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, God's called us God wants to save us. Will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. What I just read there says Clay's not going to get there by himself. I've got to lean on Christ. I've got to lean on the grace that God's given me. And if I do that, and I humble myself daily, and I think soberly, not about what I want, but what God wants, He tells me. He will make me perfect. He would conform, confirm me, strengthen, and establish. That's what I've got to have confidence in. 
summary of this lesson is God promised us grace. And what it says is we don't deserve the salvation that he's willing to give us. We, as Alexander Campbell says, and he was right, we cannot work our way into heaven. I've got to humble myself. I did that the day I was baptized. I said, God, I need you. And then every day after that, I kept humbling myself. Except for, you know, June 10th, 19th, I failed. But then I understood God's forgiveness and God's grace. And I got back up and I kept going. Then June 11, 19-something, I fell again. July, August. But God's grace is there to keep me going. He wants to save me. So as we go through life every day, we Christians should be happy. Number one, God's promised us heaven. Number two, he wants us there and he's willing if we're willing. Now I can't go on Saturday night and do everything that Clay wants to do. I can't, you know, y'all just got to realize Going out and partying is not my thing. You know, getting on a boat and going offshore fishing, that's my thing. So whenever I talk about, there's nothing wrong with going offshore fishing. As long as I don't let it interrupt with God's service. Now me going and having five girlfriends, that is wrong. That is sin. But if I'm working towards Christ every day and I'm humbling myself, but whenever I do falter and I humble myself, God is going to allow me to have salvation. And we need to have that hope. We need to live every day that God's in it with me. It's not all about me. And that's God's grace. He's in it with us. We'll have some more lessons on this. I've, I've got, this is one of the areas that I've been wanting to study and work on. What you need to know is God's there with us. He wants us to be saved. He wants us to go to heaven. Those lessons that you've heard for years, they're still true. We can't, we can't go out there. We cannot let sin abound in our lives so that grace may abound. We can't do that. That's not what David did. David made a mistake and whenever he realized it, he fell on his knees rapidly. And we all look at David and we say, well, how's that happen? Well, had that happened in your life? Don't we just, we get the sin little by little? We get arrogant. We get there. But God's grace if we come back to God, He will save us. So let's go out in the world today. 
I always say, let's do what Bubba says. You know, this is not original to Bubba. If you go to Matthew, you know, Bubba's stealing it from the last part of Matthew. And it says, go into all the world and teach. But let's do what Bubba talks about all the time. Let's go out and share God's grace. And let's bring people to have a hope that we have in heaven. And if there's anyone here, if we do falter, God's grace is full of forgiveness and mercy. First Peter tells us, God's mercy is there for us. He's not like you and I and how we deal with each other. Man, we're just waiting for somebody to fall to make fun of. God mourns whenever we fall, and He's there with His hand out. All we got to do, that's the grace. His hand's out, that's the grace. All we got to do is reach up and grab it and keep His word, and He'll take us back. And at the end of this service, that's what we always do. We extend, God's extending His hand, this church is extending their hand. We all need to help each other get to heaven. So please come forward as we stand. This